Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to the sweet spot where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome, everybody, in my listening audience. Welcome to today's podcast, which is all about the healing power of poetry. Words have the power to heal. We have the staying the Bible, in the beginning was the word. And words have been used in healing in a variety of ways. One of the things that words do for us is that they create new patterns of meaning, which is at the basis of a great deal of healing in general. Now, we find healing words, for example, in songs, and there are songs that are made specifically for the healing process. In invocations, during a healing ceremony, we use words in a way that affect healing. And of course, in poetry. Now, hearing the words of a poem can affect healing, but also the act of writing a poem can create healing. And that's what we're gonna be talking today about with my wife, Maddie. I'm happy to have Maddie here as part of today's program. Welcome, Maddie. Thank you. Hello, everybody. And we're going to begin with a poem from Rumi. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with Rumi. Rumi was a 13th century Persian poet. And here's one of his short writings, but I think it really captures what we're talking about. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Mm. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful poem about the healing process. And I'd like to share one more from another favorite writer of mine, Rabindranath Tagore. This is a poem called Fireflies. I touch God in my song as the hill touches the faraway sea with its waterfall. The butterfly counts not months, but moments, and has time enough. Let my love, like sunlight, surround you, and yet give you illumined freedom. Love remains a secret even when spoken, for only a lover truly knows that he is loved. Emancipation from the bondage of the soil is no freedom for the tree. In love, I pay my endless debt to thee for what thou art. Another beautiful, beautiful poem beautiful. about the healing process. Now, I'm, in a moment, I'm going to be asking Maddie to tell everybody a little bit about her writing process and how this was such a healing experience for her. But I want to tell you the story about what led up to it. So years ago, our uh, adopted Arapaho mom passed away 
and we got news of it that day and that evening that night when we were asleep I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard Maddie speaking and she was speaking and I didn't know what she was talking about so I started talking back to her and she just kept going on and on and I realized that it was this rhyming poetry and it went on for what must have been pages and pages and pages of rhyming poetry and I thought that's amazing that she could remember something that long so the next morning I asked her if she had memorized the lines of that poem and she said no she had no idea where it had come from and that process that began that day became a way that she has of writing rhyming poetry so I want to introduce Maddie again and have her tell you a little bit more about what that process is like so it actually started for me when I was in therapy and I was very bad at sitting meditation where you like sit and just like try to empty that didn't work for me so my therapist being a Jungian therapist suggested that I started drawing mon mandalas and I did and from the very first one I drew I started to hear two lines of poetry in my head two rhyming lines and the best way I can describe it is is I hear it before I write it. I don't think it. There's not a thought process involved. So it's an instantaneous experience. So I did that first mandala and then I heard the two lines and I wrote down the two lines and then I just kept writing. So if you were to see me do it, it would look like what people call automatic writing. I don't stop. I don't think about it. Occasionally there'll be a pause because I can't, I have to tune in, retune in order to hear the next thing and then it'll just keep going on. So my experience of it is sort of like a download. <laughs> That's sort of how I experience it. I don't think it's channeling because I don't hear it as a different voice or it doesn't it's not a spirit it's it, it whatever it is connected to I think it's some universal knowledge or my higher self I, I really don't know what it is but that is how the experience occurs for me is hearing it in my in my heart almost in my whole body it's my head and my heart and then it just comes out through my hands and I just write I write it as fast as I hear it let, let me describe what it's like from my point of view because often I'll walk into the room when Maddie is writing one of these poems and she's totally enmeshed in it and every line is rhyming and she's writing as fast as her fingers could possibly move and I always think to myself Boy, I'd be sitting around all afternoon waiting to figure out <laughs> what rhymes with the word green. And she's writing this as fast as she can. <laughs> That's true. That's very, very true. So if I do a poem for somebody, there's usually a question they want answered. And I'll ask them to pick their colors for their mandala. So I'll start with some sort of colors. Sometimes I've done them for people and I'll, I won't even get to the colors before I hear the first two lines. Sometimes I look at somebody and I'll hear the first two lines. Um, if I'm writing it for the world, if that usually happens extremely spontaneously. Like I could be sitting in the living room watching television and, and I'll hear in my head, go draw and I'll go draw and then as I'm drawing, I'll hear those first two words. So I feel like they are messages either for individual people who've asked me to do them or the ones that are for everybody. So, oh, that's 
that's the process. That's what happens. <laughs> so what I have here that I'm going to read is a poem that I did for somebody at someone's request. And like I said, the process was the question and then the colors for the mandala, mandala and um, that's how it started. So here it is. The world's apart, the world's inside, the world's we always seek to hide, the world's unveiled, the world's beyond, the one we find ourselves upon. The mystic layers of the light bring what's unknown into our sight. The frequency of night and day is how we keep the truth at bay, relying on a past not here, relying on our deepest fear to open up a hole we find that leads the heart into the mind. Relying on this fear as guide is what will keep us locked inside. Refusing to go bravely on, refusing to just be the song, a song of life, a song of one, it's how the other comes undone. When seeing future's primal call, we see it is the way of all, whose hearts are broken, torn, and heaped with piles and shards of inner grief. This grief cannot be justified as all the cause we need to hide. This hiding lacks our inner source and leads us to a place when force is used to guide our footsteps here, enslaving us inside our fear. This stricken force, this grief-soaked path, is not the way our lives can last, for only through the laughter's way can we return to that new day where mother-child are but one and earth's renewal is the sun, where mother-child come anew to find the peace that's inside you. The younger is the older here, the one who's stepping out of fear. The stepping out is breaking hearts, and this is where she truly starts, to be the one she's meant to be, beyond the world, inside the sea, to be the one who holds no fear. Her footsteps must be very clear. She'll break the chain and break the gaze and move into this newest phase, a phase of light, a phase of love. It is her gift from up above. What a beautiful poem. I know. So when I do one like that, I really mostly leave it to the person to interpret what they've what they've heard in it i'll read it and i think there's a power in reading it out loud as opposed to just um reading it yourself but then of course you'll get a copy and you can go over it and sometimes a couple of lines will really ring true and the person will use it as a meditation or an affirmation but that is the poem for that person <laughs> so so in that case you asked for a message to come to you about that person. Is that right? I sort of did. I, I mean, the person asked a question, had a concern, and told me what colors I should use. And actually, it was a couple days. And it's almost like the way the, the ones that are more for everybody come, I was sitting in the chair reading, and then it just popped into my head to go draw. And I knew that it was the poem I was going to do for this person. And then I did the drawing and the poem came. And when you get that message that it's time to go and start writing, is it a feeling? Is it a word that you see? Like what, how does the message come to you? It's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a feeling um, in my body of, of that. If you were to put it into words, it's like a knowing. 
it's a knowing that I have to get up and go do this hmm. at this time. And I'm, I have to, and I will, I'll stop whatever I'm doing. If, if I've, I've done it before where I've had to like run out the door where it'll hit me like as I'm about to go do something and then I will, and what's very interesting is if that happens, I'll, even without drawing the mandala, I'll get the first two lines of the poem. So I'll write those down. Then when I come back, I'll start the mandala sometimes, and then sometimes I don't have to. Sometimes I can just continue it. It just really seems to be whatever guidance tells me to do. <laughs> do you have another poem to share with us? I do. I have, I have um, a short one that came. It seems like there was a series of poems that had to do with with um, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with what we were dealing with. And this one, there are about four of them, but this I find particularly beautiful. And this one is from June, from about mid-June. And we were, um, we were focusing on, just some of us talking about in women's circle, the, the idea of goodness of trying to focus on goodness in in a world that is in chaos and where there seems to be a lot of bad things happening and so i did a mandala for this one a mandala i always say that word wrong but anyhow so this is the poem that came out does goodness glow inside each mind to leave all other paths behind to seek a newer way to be a way that one day sets us free to love each other just as one, not in between or just begun, but round an ancient dancing fire where we can meet our true desire to live a life of beauty's way, to never enter in the fray of right is wrong or wrong is right, but see the beauty in the night, accepting all that happens here and knowing only without fear can we move forward in this plan to elevate the ways of man and woman in this dearest place so we can know the feel of grace the touch of one who joins us here and shows us all that we hold dear it's only seen by those who wait and understand that patience gate leads to a goodness of the mind which wishes well for all mankind and womankind and child's heart can turn this kindness into art the art of loving all who fear this is the calling draw it near another beautiful piece mm-hmm so Maddie, I what I'd like to do is I'd like to see if you could share with our listeners a way to try this out on their own. If somebody feel, felt so inspired to do this, could you describe the process? Which I think, if I'm not mistaken, you start in the center of the paper, right, and let everything spiral out. So if you could take us through the whole process, beginning with how you set your intention, what your mindset is for it, and then how it actually comes out on the paper. So when I very first started doing this, um, I would go to someplace very quiet, usually our upstairs room, where almost, where it's just more like a guest room. And I would go up in there and I would get paper. In an, I had a no, small notebook at that time, actually. Now my pages have gotten bigger and bigger because if you could see the poetry very, very often, it actually writes in a spiral. Back when I first started doing it, it really didn't do that very much. But over the last several years, it does it a lot. 
So I will get somewhere quiet. I can't do it if there's um, any music on or any um, a lot of outside distraction, at least not in the beginning. Like once I get started, I don't notice probably the house could fall down around me. But um, so, and then I start in the center and I put one central figure, which will sort of come to me. Like sometimes it could be, it could look like four hearts that are attached or a flower or one central figure. And then I'll just keep adding on in a circle out further and further and further and further. And it, it will just be the, the rings of a circle going out and out and out until I hear the first two lines of the poem. And then I'll write that down. So in all sorts of man mandala meditation, you, all, you do start in the center and work your way out. So that would be a place to start, especially if you're drawn to, to art as a way of centering yourself and going, going really deep inside. And don't censor yourself. Keep drawing. Don't stop. Don't look at it. Just keep... I'm... I'm I, that's what I would suggest. Just keep going around. Don't judge because the second you judge what it looks like, you're going to stop. So you just keep going. And for me, it's until I get those first two lines of poetry. Now, in these later years, there have been completely different drawings, very often vine sort of fantasy looking drawings. But the mandala is definitely the way to, I started. And I would turn the page as I would draw so that I was actually physically having the page go around, not just having my hand go around. And then when you, you feel maybe something comes to you that you want to write, maybe you just feel like it's done. If it's done and nothing has come to you, I would put it aside, go back to it, look at it, and see if there's something you want to write about. See if it, it says something to you. And if not, just the act of using your hand to create opens up neural pathways in your brain so it's a wonderful experience for anybody to try and that circular motion or spiraling motion that you're using is of course the way the entire universe moves you know we move in a spiral we we're always constantly going around and around and around spiraling around and that's how the universe expands so it just mimics the motion that we're already in so the, this poetry that you write is clearly healing for those of us who hear it. Mm. So whether you've written one that is for a specific person who asked you to do it mm -hmm. and has to do with a message that is particular to that person or whether it's for the world, when somebody hears it, it's a healing experience. Can you tell everybody how it paralleled your own healing, though? Oh, yes. So I, I started doing it fairly early on in therapy. So I was in therapy with a wonderful, very spiritual therapist that I love and adore. And um, I was actually in therapy for about eight years dealing with childhood trauma. So what what it did to start this type of, of meditation was it centered me and then the poems, the original poems that I wrote, very much pertained to me. I could tell that they very much were speaking to me about the path I needed to take, letting go of things, opening up gates, 
taking off layers, you know, because, so, of course, whenever you have a trauma in childhood, there's layers and layers of protection that you as a human have put there in, in order to survive and deal with whatever happened to you, whatever that particular event was. And so in order to get the poetry and the drawing is what helped me really break through layer by layer in a very safe, I felt very safe with it. I didn't feel like it was somebody trying to pull something out of me, you know, and like make me admit to something or make me go somewhere faster than I was ready to get there. So the, the poetry, I feel, guided my healing. And uh, the therapist I was working with, of course, was extremely open to that. So it became, it became like a, a weaving, a weaving of the mandalas and the poetry and the therapy and everything woven together in order to heal what I was dealing with. And if we go back to what we said at the very beginning of our session, we can say that through this use of language in poetry, we can assign new patterns of meaning to the experience in our lives. Because so often our suffering comes as a result of habitual ways of communicating both with others and with ourself. And through this beauty of language in this way, we repattern, we create new patterns of meaning in our life and the associations that we make. So it's absolutely beautiful, Maddie. I'd, I'd like to ask you if our listeners would like to hear you more often and hear some more of your messages, how could they do that? Well, you can go to, to Facebook. You can either go to Facebook and join the Women's Oneness Project. It's an open public page. And then every Sunday morning I do poetry and prayers. And it's uh, just a little contribution of mine. When, when the pandemic started, I have a lot of friends who are spiritual but don't have like a church or a synagogue to go to. And they were saying that, oh, they have friends and they get to go online and on Zoom and there's somewhere for them to gather to have spiritual uh, groups and they don't have that. So I started Poetry and Prayers. So every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern time, I do the, I, I pick poetry, I pick prayers that go with a particular topic. This morning we did Awakening, and then I do the poem from that week that, that pertains to whatever the topic was. Sometimes the topic comes from the poem, sometimes the poem comes from the topic, so, but I'll always read one there. They are also posted, or they're soon all to be posted, all the poetry and prayer lives will be posted on my website and my website is www.thewomensonenessproject.com and if you wanted to contact me for anything you can contact me at maddie m-a-d-d-i at women's oneness women's oneness all one word and at womensoneness.com maddie at Maddie, M-A-D-D-I again, no E, M-A-D-D-I at womensoneness.com. So it's the womensonenessproject.com. You can also get there through womensoneness.com. Well, Maddie, cheers. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. 
Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.